Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Throughout our show, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Heather McNair. I'm Alex Mastriani, and we're happy you're here. Welcome back to another episode of the Member Engagement Show. I'm so excited today to be joined by one of our awesome customers at Higher Logic, Pam Rosenberg. She is the Manager of Learning and Development at the Risk Management Association. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you again. I know we've met a few times over the past couple of years. Um, it's been a while since I've seen you in person, I think. But um, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell everyone a little bit about you. Yeah. So as Alex said, my name is Pam Rosenberg. I am at the Risk Management Association. I've been in association management for over 12 years now. I live in Arlington Heights, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And yeah, I I love associations. I love supporting the industries that our members are, where their careers are. And I love being a member of associations and again, just providing services and tools for everyone on all sides of any professional development, career growth, and an advancement, and so on. So that's a little bit about my professional history. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, truly an association professional. <laughs> when I think about folks in the industry, you definitely come to mind. Um, on a side note, I have to say that Chicago is on my list of places that I want to visit. Um, again, once I get back on, a, on an airplane, yes. <laughs> I've been missing Chicago. And it, this is like a great time of the year there, right? Like as yeah. spring is, is coming, summer's upon us. <laughs> yeah, I think it is finally here. <laughs> Again, I don't know when people will be actually listening to this, but I think we're we're skipping spring mm-hmm. and we're just going right into summer like most of the country. Yeah. <laughs> just forget that season. It doesn't exist. It's either too cold or too hot. <laughs> well, Chicago is beautiful. I think last time I was there, it was in June. So maybe I will need to plan yeah, another yeah. June trip next year or something like that. But yeah. so we're here to talk about engagement, of course. And I know that community has been a part of different roles that you've held, you know, in your, you know, current or past lives in different associations. Um, Why would you say that, why would you say community was important to your association or in those roles specifically that you've held? How did you interact or manage or, you know, take community into consideration when you were planning different ways to engage with members? Yeah. So before I really even knew what community was. I knew that these things existed. I just couldn't, there wasn't a word that I knew exactly what it was. I knew that in my industry, being an association professional, there were associations for association professionals. Um, So that's quite a mouthful. But I, I knew that that was the only way that I myself was going to learn more about, again, what my industry is and what my place in the industry would be. When I originally started out in my professional career, I thought it was going to be more on like the fundraising side of nonprofit management. But through, you know, just kind of my early career, I found this fantastic industry and the people that join associations, they're there to get stuff out of it for themselves, but also to give back. That's what I've heard over and over again from those on my side of association management, but also those that are members of associations that I have worked for in the past. You get more 
out of the associations when you give more. And that's just a common theme no matter what industry you're in, whether it's medical, engineering, scientific, um, educational. Um, And I find myself also, you know, again, the more that I give, the more that I get out of it. And I don't know who benefits from it more, the people that I interact with or if it's me, just because it is so enlightening to be surrounded by people that do what I do, but also be able to provide for the industry that I'm serving. So not what I do, but again, the member organization that I'm involved with. Totally agree. It's so rewarding when you can give back. And I feel like that is just such a a central theme that we see with associations. Um, So was your first exposure to community or the concept of community as a community member? Yes. And again, I, I think it probably just because I was kind of still fresh out of college and kind of figuring out what my place in the professional world was going to be. But yes, using what I thought were just generic form forums or just kind of the back end chat of the website, you know, just kind of a, a chat place. Um, and yeah, I just started to recognize familiar names. And then once I kind of learned what community was, I just had these major light bulb moments. And I said, oh, well, you know, from on a professional side from the organization that I was at, this is just completely invaluable because whether the organization is more regional, you know, even within a state or a couple of states or just a statewide association, people can't meet all the time or they just have these quick questions and they also don't know who they don't know. And that's very true about any industry, that there's so many people that are knowledgeable and educated on a topic that you have questions about, and they're willing to share that with you and engage in dialogue. So you can learn on an educational level, but also expand your own network. So it's just completely invaluable on a professional life, on what I serve and what I do, but also on a personal life. It's just, it's opened me up to such a range of individuals that I never, ever would have connected with had I not had any sort any form of community. So tell me more about your light bulb moments. Like when did you realize like, oh, maybe we need to bring community to our members or maybe this could fix XYZ challenge or help with this um, issue we're having or what was that like for you? Yeah. So it's kind of the mentality where, you know, in my previous roles about we keep trying to build this thing. At the end of the day, it is community, but it's not just because we're, we don't have it or we're not doing it or we don't necessarily know what the solutions are out there to fix it. And when I did have that light bulb moment, it's like, oh, that's what this is. And there's a solution out there for us that already exists and we don't have to rebuild it from scratch every single time. It just, it made so much sense to just jump in and go for it because we can't have volunteers trying to fix this thing all the time or constantly try to be engaging on it or monitoring it or whatever the case was. It just didn't make sense to keep going to that same thing all the time and not getting different results. So when we were able to commit to it and get it off the ground. And this may go into what we'll chat about a little bit later, but when we were able to launch it and get it going, the community that I was uh, working with took off and it was an immediate member benefit. And it's, I can't speak to it right now, but 
within the first six, nine, 12 months, it became a top member benefit for those that were using it. Not everybody yeah. knew what it was yet because you can't, you can't force anybody, everybody to know what this thing is. You can't yeah. do that with any member organization, <laughs> any company. Um, they just have to either be recommended to go use the thing that you're trying to convince them to do, or they just happen to, you know, stumble, stumble upon, upon it upon one it. way or another. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just became a very, and again, I don't know if it's because it was new and shiny, but you're like, I'm going to go check it out or whatever, but it just became such an instant source of invaluable information. And the, you know this, the great thing about community is it's on your phone, it's in your email. You don't have to be at a location to interact with people. It has no physical boundaries. And when we did launch, there was a lot of international members that were engaging and participating in what we were doing. And we had members that were overseas or international, but they never got to engage and interact with any of our other members. You know, with medical, for example, I wasn't at a medical organization, but, you know, there's tons and tons of different medical specialties. And I was at an engineering organization and not everybody at every engineering firm knows everything from from what our members were trying to do. And so this was just, or had special, within engineering, just specialty topics. And you just learn to think out of the box and think also outside of the box, but also how can you make the box better? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was yeah. that was really cool to witness. Um, again, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but yeah. communities like this for associations, it's not kind of this free for all when it comes to like your social networks, your professional networks. It's very targeted. It's very specific. And there's kind of this barrier to entry, a good barrier to entry, because this person is vetted. There's rules that they have to stick to. So it's not, you know, you don't just go to the festival and everybody's there and they can all have an opinion on this, that, and the other, but you know that the people that you're interacting with are like-minded and chances are have specific answers or can help guide you to specific answers to your questions. And it's not, it's not social media where things can just get off the rails really, really quickly. There's a sense of professionalism with community and people, you know, when it is a professional community. And I found that even the interactions online were very different in a positive way from necessarily some of the informal, more in-person networking and in-person communities. So it was much more specific and targeted and again, just more professional. So much to unpack with everything that you just said. One thing that I want to point out um, that I just think is incredible about community, and I think we've we witnessed it a lot in the past year when talking about events, is just that access. But it really just you know has been there forever. When you have a community and you have an international membership base, you know it's hard to get those people together in any personal or in-person format, right? You know, your members in different geographic locations um, just tend to see each other when when they are in person. Um, but providing that, you know, access for them to the full membership base, to different ideas, different specialties, different experts, it's huge for them. Um, but the other thing that you mentioned um, that I think we could talk more about is just that idea of the continuous engagement. It's not something that's stopping and starting, you know, every time you have a new initiative or every time you have an event or every time you 
it's a new year or whatever makes sense for what you might have been doing. A community is a great place to continually have members have access to each other, to your organization, to, you know, anything that they need really at any given moment that your community can provide. Um, And I know you talked a lot or we had talked previously about some of the ways that you looked at that continuous engagement when it came to, you know, virtual strategy, you know, in the past year, 18 months or so. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you transition that engagement strategy online and maybe how community played a role in that? Um, challenges you faced, um, any roadblocks along the way? What what was that like for you? Yeah. So even before the pandemic hit us like a brick wall, the in, at least in my limited knowledge about it, people our our engagement tactics were changing. You know, they always kind of are changing. We're adapting to kind of what the new trends are and so on. So that was definitely playing a, a role in how things were evolving and whatnot when. COVID hit, it became, you know, with so much of what all of our industries, no matter what you do, it's, it changed so much of what we fundamentally do. We couldn't just blast. Here's everything that's going on. Just getting flooded left and right with everything that everybody is doing all the time and just just content information overload and on top of all of the other personal things that everyone is overloaded with. So being much more thoughtful, much more strategic, much more concise, specific, small actions that needed to be done so that the members can get something out of it so that we can get something out of it. And I, I, and I, I'm guessing it has changed, you know, this is not a, a surprise or anything, but it's changed a lot permanently about how we, are and how we interact and what we're, who we're loyal to, what our priorities are. I think that's probably nothing new or groundbreaking or anything, but from a member engagement perspective, just, you have to be really thoughtful and you can't just blast everybody all the time. And that, again, that's no secret. That's nothing new, but even more so, you know, someone did this, let's do that. You know, let's keep them kind of engaged in, as well. And also we, with every industry, there were things that were coming up that have never, ever come up before. Um, Just as a society, as a global functioning society, we had to adapt and figure out how to solve these problems. We, you know, kind of had, you know, contingency emergency plans maybe, but when it came to health and safety, you know, this was stuff that never comes up, you know, for example, like with education, you know, schools, they go dormant for, you know, a couple of months over the summer, maybe, but there's people coming in now, maybe there's school programs and things like that. But I was in the water business before the, my previous organization and stagnant water and things that had never, ever come up before. Wow. Things that you can't really anticipate too. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, buildings that had never been dormant for so long or unoccupied, things that you knew would potentially be a thing, but were actually, it was playing, learning about history live. And that was with so much what all of us did. No one was unaffected by it. And that was really the coolest thing that came out of what so many of our people had done was just figuring these things out, writing the playbook as it was happening. Um, You know, there's an example of (laughs) 
driving on the road before it's built. Yeah. <laughs> <type thing. laughs> you don't know where the lanes are and you don't know what direction you're going, but you're on it and you have yeah. to figure out how to stay on it and not wreck. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I heard for the first time, maybe this phrase has been around for a while, but I just heard it for the first time last year. And then I feel like I heard it multiple times, building the plane as we were flying it. Like that was 100% what it felt like at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's cool to witness it, you know, in the community, especially when you have people who are facing these challenges together, but might be alone in like their organizations or their companies or you know, whatever the situation is. And they're like, I need help. So I need to go see Mm -hmm. what my peers are doing and run this problem by them, get, uh, get their feedback in real time, see how maybe they're handling things. And like you said, uh, writing the playbook as it's happening. is very cool. Yeah. And we all, like I said, we all had, we knew what things could happen, you know, but on such a global scale and such a large scale, you know, it was, it was really fascinating to watch it unfold. You know, we were all completely stressed out and burnt out and all the other things that we all felt and are still feeling. Um, But that was really cool seeing it unfold in community. And we didn't have to wait to get to a conference to hear what everyone was talking about. We didn't just have to pick up the phone. And one of the beautiful things about community is it's this living, breathing thing that is always kind of there to go look for it again. So maybe you had that light bulb moment and it was really impactful on you. You can always go back and find it again and redirect someone there, you know, another person in your, in your network or in your industry, redirect them there. And it's just, well, this is how we were doing it three months ago, but here's what's changed. But I didn't necessarily touch this three months ago, but I want to see what my peers have done now. So it's, you know, obviously within (laughs) some boundaries, some things don't always stay up depending on what the topic is. And things do get out of date. Um, Where I am (laughs) right now, I'm in the banking industry. Um, My members are credit loan officers and credit risk individuals. And they're still very mm-hmm. much writing the playbook. The, you know, a lot of they are a lot of them oh, I are bet. having conversations about all the PPP loans and things like that. And they're just, you know, again, I, I don't even know mm-hmm. much about it because I'm, I'm not in the thick of it on, on such that granular level. But seeing the conversations that are coming through about, well, here's how you did this and here's the calculation and here's what to expect or here's this resource. It's just, it's absolutely invaluable for members to have community. And that's so cool to see them helping each other and working together (laughs) and figuring it out um, as as it all unfolds. One other thing that you mentioned that um, I love personally as a marketer too, just seeing like, oh, we need to figure out the best way to deliver information to our members um, because, you know, we're a resource to them. We don't want them to, you know, get messages from us, whether it's email, social, community, whatever the channel is and say, oh, this is too long. I don't have time to look at this or I don't have time for XYZ event or webinar or whatever it is. But, you know, changing up uh, your messaging to make sure you are being as clear and concise as possible so that they can get what they need and get on with their day or, um, you know, get the information as quickly as possible when they're, they're in that information overload. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like these micro marketing messages and being, Ooh, love that. <laughs> being more strategic <laughs> about how and when, and also maybe considering, you know, let's take a breather, let's pause, give people a chance to not, you know, just be so overwhelmed with messaging that we're putting out. Let, and I love this, the, you know, with all 
associations, trade associations, professional organizations, and so on. The biggest, and this is getting off topic a little bit, but the the best marketers are your members. <laughs> and it costs more to get a new member than to keep an old member. So those are those are two two, mm-hmm. two different kind of concepts. But you know, if you treat your members right and you respect their their digital <laughs> presence and what they're what they're being digitally exposed to, I'm just talking on that perspective, yeah. <laughs> they will they'll do the marketing for your community for you. Oh, totally agree. You know, one of the things that we found really helpful and we were kind of thinking about rolling this out before the pandemic hit was kind of this trial membership, so to speak, um, for our community. And everyone has different community permissions and who's allowed in. There's a lot of industries that make it open to anybody that's in in the industry because it is so, it is such a strong community um, and just for various reasons. But the way that my organization was, we definitely had a paywall, so to speak. So you had to be a member to get in, but we ended up opening these free trials for community because we wanted to show everyone the value that we had. And, you know, we had to do a little bit of vetting as well, make sure they were legitimate and they weren't going to just come in and, you know, start selling and, you know, promoting products or promoting companies and things like that. But that proved to be beneficial as well. So even just a short-term temporary access, oh, this is what I could get, you know, kind of give them a taste of, you know, kind of what this is about. So that was a strategy that we deployed that we were successful with. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Um, First of all, I think word of mouth marketing right now is like the best, (laughs) is the best way to get exposure for your organization, no matter what industry you're in. I think, you know, people are used to going to maybe certain publications or um, different resources to find out, you know, if they want to buy a product or a service or join a membership or something like that. Whereas now people just are talking to each other and saying, hey, what do you use for this? What do you think about this group, this product, this service, whatever it is? And, you know, people want to hear from their peers that they trust. Mm -hmm. And if you have your members who are happy and seeing value and talking about the great reasons why they should consider a membership or, Mm -hmm. you know, you get access to this community if you do this, um, that's the best, one of the best tools in your toolbox. And one of the things about that is it has to be authentic engagement, authentic and really intentional, intentional, but also natural engagement because every industry has competitors, you know, the manufacturers, they have their own community and there's nothing wrong with that. And, but those are really specific, really targeted, but they may kind of get off tangent and be kind of your direct competitor. So when thinking about strategy, it's really being authentic and I'll, you know, that's such a, an overused word, but people are drawn to their own kind <laughs> and yep. they want to have, they want to recognize the language that they're hearing and that they're seeing. And I'm not saying that from just like literally English to another language, but the style. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it has to be authentic. 100%. It doesn't, you don't want to feel like you're taking in a a marketing message or a pitch or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Like you want to hear, I I can't think of a better word than authenticity, but it really Mm -hmm. is like that real human to human feeling connection um, the trust from, from a person that you know and respect and you see, you, you trust their opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Authentic and also empathetic because, Mm. you know, I like 
probably you and many people that will listen to this, just a lot of brain fog, you know, just, mm-hmm. and I, you know, Every I, day. I knew a thing, I knew a thing 15 months ago and maybe I haven't practiced that thing in 15 months. And I know, I know mm-hmm. the thing, but having empathy when I, you know, I trip up or, you know, it's just, it goes such a long way and making sure that those in the community, and I, I can't, I can't imagine that there is any community, at least the ones that you deal with, where, you know, someone would deliberately just be inauthentic. You know, there's there's ways of, you know, taking subtle jabs right. online and things like that. But, you know, there's a real person behind the keyboard and, you know, maybe they're new yes. to the industry. So making sure that authenticity and empathy are, you know, the message while still yes. trying to communicate and relay the technical part or whatever that they're that the person is trying to to reach or get their solution for. Totally agree. Showing Mm -hmm. your support. One other thing I want to talk about um, is networking, because when I think about folks who are, I don't want to say like a networking pro, but you are a networking pro. You really made time to prioritize one-on-one meetings, uh, talking in small groups rather than, you know, bigger conferences or virtual events uh, over the past year or so. So can you tell me a little bit about why you or how you came to that realization and what you did or how how you, it helped you out? Yeah. So one of the beautiful things about what we've all been forced to with all these two-dimensional um, <laughs> conversations and things like that is I feel like I can be a little bit more of myself in a sense. Mm-hmm. In some ways, you know, I'm things are much more rigid because I'm staring at a screen. I'm staring at a microphone. You know, I'm, I'm not moving around. I'm not going to the, you know, this networking room or whatever it is, but people are seeing in my, me in my natural habitat, so to speak. <laughs> and it yeah. was so much easier to, and you know, you have to take it upon yourself. It's so much easier just to find someone online through community. Mm-hmm. This is how I've met most of my recent networking peers is through the various communities that I'm a member of, specifically higher logic platforms. But I recognize this name, or you happen to be in an, a similar industry to what I am, or you have a question about uh, the credential that I have, or you know, you you want study tips or whatever. Send them a message and say, "I'd love to talk to you for fifteen minutes, five minutes." You know, you don't have anything to lose. And so much of what our our grind has been recently is just meeting, 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 and it's just mm-hmm. not getting anything done. There's no water cooler talk, and. Yep. Because we haven't done anything in however, you know, 15 months or whatever it is, there's not, I can't be myself. And it's just been, not that I'm not, you know, permitted to, to, to show my personality and whatnot, but it's so much easier just to approach someone in line and say, hey, can we talk? There's no awkward room silence. There's no, I'm standing by myself. I don't know anybody. I can't imagine mm-hmm. that if someone reached out to anyone in any industry, any profession that they're in and say, can I just pick your brain for five minutes about a specific topic? It doesn't even have to be kind of with the agenda of I want to network. I just want to meet people. It turns into that organically if you make it so. And it's kind of like blind dating. If, if the meeting (laughs) is horrible, you say, okay, I got to go. I have a commitment and you just end it right there. And again, there's no awkward, where's this person in the room? How do I avoid them at the (laughs) conference or the next meeting or whatever it is? You just kind of sign off. And it really, Again, I'm an extrovert and I get my energy from conversations Mm -hmm. and meeting people. So it's not necessarily for everyone. But again, you do have that ability to sign off. But it really made my days less just routine and it broke it Mm -hmm. up. Um, I've had to be more thoughtful about 
not more thoughtful, but just be really intentional and how I'm setting up these things. And it's, you know, and I welcome people to reach out to me and I love reaching out to people and sharing what I've learned along the way and what and how our industry has changed. And I, I keep saying that, but everybody, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of hopefully at the tail end of what has been changing, but a lot of the stuff is permanent. It is sticking around. Mm-hmm. So it's really simple, whether it's even just on LinkedIn, someplace that is, doesn't necessarily have that paywall or whatever it is, they'll, they'll direct you to what you need to know. And, right. you know, you don't find opportunities looking on a job board, right? <laughs> you don't necessarily get your, you could get great answers to your questions in publications and in journals and things like that. But you do so much of your growth through conversation mm-hmm. and through interactions like this. And again, if it's terrible, you just leave and that's it and you move on. But you've at least expanded your network and you never know what's going to come from these little interactions. And it's, you know, it's really easy. We're chatting. You just write something down and it clicks and you just send a, a thank you follow up and maybe you'll reference it later. Maybe you won't. You know, I, one of my, my consistent networking friends now that I've never met <laughs> is in Colombia. Oh my goodness. He happens to be a U.S. resident, but he's Colombian and we connect all the time now. And I would never <laughs> met him. Never. If it just weren't for me, just send in a quick message in one of the networking groups that I'm in to say, hey, let's chat. That's so cool. Let's see what's up. And so you get to bridge, you know, in any in-person virtual networking, whatever it is, you get to bridge your personal with your professional. Mm-hmm. And this is, who, this is who your people are. And this is who they, you know, <laughs> this is going to help go to bat for you or help guide you. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I went off a little bit of a tangent no, there. that's but okay. It's, Again, so many things are running through my brain. <laughs> um, I think it's mm-hmm. so true, though. Like when you think about your schedule, you just get so used to oh goodness, I've got a day, a packed schedule today full of back-to-back Zoom calls, barely have time to get up and get get a snack or um, step outside for a second, um, just get away from my computer. But when you have these little um, additions to your schedule that are quick connects, quick connections with you know folks you've met or seen online in some capacity, it's like a really nice little bright spot in your day. And you can get some of that energy or get, you know, a little rejuvenation in your day uh, from chatting with a peer for 15 minutes and just, you know, seeing what's going on. Yeah. And one of the other things that I'm such an advocate for, for networking is I can't speak for everybody necessarily, but so much of at least what I've experienced, there's so many emergencies Mm -hmm. that come up and I have to get this in the emergency. I can't, I can't carve out time to meet with someone. Well, if you meet for someone for 30 minutes, chances are in an hour, that emergency, or even the next day, that emergency is not an emergency (laughs) anymore. And I can't say that's not a blanket statement for everything, but it's just so much more meaningful and it really helps connect you to the industry Mm -hmm. that you're in. It really helps you remember why you're in it or maybe why you don't want to be in it. It really will help give guiding (laughs) light (laughs) in either direction. Um, because you, you're not an expert right. on everything. You can't know everything and someone else is going to know something. And having these natural mentoring mm-hmm. relationships is what's come out of it. I've got a couple of mentors and they probably <laughs> don't realize they're my mentors. <laughs> I've just kind of given them that role. and But they're also friends, yep. you know, at the end of the day. So it's, again, emergencies are not always emergencies. Again, there are things that really are emergencies and can't be moved or they're really, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely critical. But setting time aside to worry about yourself in a sense will help so much growth internally. So many amazing tips there and just how to get started with networking. And I hope 
Pam has inspired you to reach out to someone that maybe you would like to uh, to chat with. But before we wrap up, I have to ask you uh, our question we ask all of our guests here on this show is what is your favorite engagement tactic? So when I'm hosting a personal or a professional engagement tactic, I love doing this word scramble. Oh, So this works a little bit better with groups that are like 30 or less, but people that don't know each other, I set up, and again, I'm not, this is nothing new. I just happen to use this more frequently is you create very easily a word scramble for words that are specific to what your attendees are doing. And this is if you're the host and you throw everybody into rooms, whoever comes back the quickest with the right answers wins. And it's just, it's this really high energy. And I I can't tell you who hasn't benefited from it. It just, when we're so sedentary right now and we're just (laughs) so two dimensional, it has really, you know, oh, team this, we won. And there's just this it really changes how the rest of the program goes because you've built these bonds <laughs> with people that you competed with. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, at least recently, that has really worked very, very well. Very simple tool. Yeah. No, that's a great idea because I feel like that's a fun way to do um, like team bonding or mm-hmm. like an icebreaker or something. And then they have this little connection to their group throughout the the rest of the event. But it doesn't involve people, no, tell me about yourself. Tell me two truths right. and a lie. You know, it, I was going to say, if I have to think of yeah. like three facts, I'm like, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I'm, you know, panicked until it's my turn. Yeah. But yeah, definitely like a, a low barrier. Low stakes and high energy. <laughs> That's awesome. So thank you so much, Pam, for joining us today. Before um, we end the show, I, I want you to give an opportunity. Where can people find you on, on the internet? Are you active on LinkedIn or you know what communities do you hang out with? Where can people find you? Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn, Pam Rosenberg, very simple. I'm at the Risk Management Association. And feel free to find me on Twitter, Rosenberg Pam, or on Facebook if you'd like to connect. But most of my professional stuff is obviously through LinkedIn, but also I am on Hug a little bit here and there. I'm also involved with Collaborate for ASAE and also my forum for Association Forum, which is a Chicagoland-based association for association professionals. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pam. That's going to do it for another episode of the Member Engagement Show, and we will see you all next week. 